Good morning. We're in part two of a series called 412. It uh, comes from the, the verse in the Bible, Hebrews 412, talking about the Bible is alive and active. And uh, we're, uh, we're glad you're here today. Uh, we want to say welcome to all those watching Facebook Live or listening to our podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, it's amazing that just about as many are in this room will tune in this week through the video or through the podcast and have a listen. And so it's great to be able to have that tool to be able to help others connect to God and, and just learn some more. Uh, if you're um, uh, maybe new to church and been here for a while, uh, I'll tell you a little about our church where our, our whole approach is this. We want to help you with one thing this week to be able to know something about God and, and to take a step towards him. And so uh, we, we, we believe that there's something this, in, in this service today that God is going to challenge you with. If you'll just be open to receive it, open to, to, to take that step, the next step, uh, he, he'll continually challenge you to, to know more about him. Uh, which is pretty awesome. And, and the series we're in is about the Bible. It's a, it's a, we'll be going through the month of June, be talking about the Bible. And, and last week, uh, we started off the, the series talking about really, really why it's important for us to even consider and think about reading the Bible, why it's important. And I, I made this statement. I said that throughout scriptures, whenever, and not just scriptures, but even in life, when somebody wise, somebody that knows what's going on, when they're explaining something to you, a lot of times it's, if you do this, then you can expect this. When you do these things, then these will be the results. And I, and I talked about that. And then this week, one of the first days that I started reading my one-year Bible, um, one of the first things I saw in it was one of these statements. And in First Kings, uh, David, King David, he's at the end of his life. He's passing the baton to his son Solomon. And, and in, this, in this conversation he's having with his son, you'll see that he's, he's telling his son how to prosper and how to do these things. And he makes that statement. You'll see at the bottom. He says this, I'm going where every man on earth must someday go. I'm counting on you to be a strong and worthy successor. Obey the laws of God and follow all his ways. Keep each of his commandments written in the law of Moses so you will prosper in everything you do wherever you turn. I think that's some pretty good advice. He's saying if, if you do this, all right, and he goes on and says this, if you do this, then, and he continues on with the, with the idea. But he's saying if you'll keep God's commands, you'll prosper in everything you do wherever you turn. I want to live that kind of life. I want to be able to wherever I turn that God has helped me prosper. He's helped me succeed in life, that I'm successful in every aspect of my life. And this is what the, throughout the scripture over and over God is telling us. If you do it his way, his way works. And uh, this is what, what we're setting up the, the, the series for, saying when you, when you understand what God has wanted to do in your life, you partner with him, he can do with some amazing things. And last week he said the, the Bible, when it comes to the Bible, it's alive. It's a book that's alive, it's active, and it can help us on this journey. And so if you'll just embrace it and say, I'm, I'm going to follow you on, in, in this journey. Um, the, one of the reasons, last week we talked about how Jesus made this statement uh, about the wise and foolish builder. And he said this, he says that everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. So we're doing this series not just to give information, because here's the challenge I have as a pastor. I stand up here on Sundays, I give you, I give you some, some new ideas, some information, and if it stays at just the information level, like, wow, I learned something, that actually doesn't benefit you all that much until you're able to put it into practice. And this is what Jesus says, those who hear my words and put it into practice, not just those who hear my word and know more about about everything about life, that, that just get, gain more knowledge. That's not the point. It's the action that follows that is the wise person. And so for this series, my hope is this, that you will somehow begin to be connected more to the Bible. You'll have more tools to be able to relate to the Bible more. You'll be more excited to get this into your life. And, and you, won't, you won't look at it as a daunting task, but it's something that's enjoyable, something that is, is really not as complicated as we make it to be. And so for this series, my hope is that you'll be able to embrace that, and you'll be the kind of people that will put these things into practice because that's really the challenge every single time you open the bible every time you come to church every time you hear something of god the challenge is how can i put this into practice and start living it 
um, how, can I, how can I take this from information and turn it into transformation where my life will begin to prosper and succeed? Because the truth is, you can know everything and still not succeed. It's when you start doing the things that, that, that lead to success is when you find pros- prosperity and, and success in life. Um, and so here's how I kind of see my, my, my task every Sunday morning, all right? It's kind of like I pull out my machete every single Sunday, and we're going to this jungle of life, and uh, I'm chopping through it. And as I chop through, I'm trying to clear a path. For some, some people, the jungle is so thick that I just barely get a dent into it, and um, they begin to see like there's, there's, there's blue sky. There's, there's something else beyond the jungle, beyond all these weeds or whatever we're in. And my job is to try to cut a path and say, hey, here's the path to get out of all of the stuff you're in, all the, all the shrubs and all the when you find yourself lost, like there's, there's the path. And so every single week, I'm trying to cut a path and point that direction saying, hey, here's the way we should go. And then the, the challenge for you then is to say, how do I on the other six days of the week stay on the path? How do I on the other six days of the week, and if you only come once a month, then that would be like the other 30 days of the month, how do I stay on this right path? And here's the challenge. If, if you don't have the, the tools and you're not putting into practice uh, the, the things that God has given you, like prayer and, and reading the Bible, you will get off track pretty quick. All of us will. The moment I stop fellowshipping with other believers, I stop reading my Bible, stop praying, I easily begin to veer off of track because I lose focus, I lose the direction, I make it about me. And so this is, this is what this series is saying. What would it look like if we can, we can choose to stay on the right path for these next six days? What, what would that look like? What would, it, what would happen when, and it's about maturity, what would happen when we become self, self-feeders and we begin to look for these truths on our own? What would it look like if, if I dug into the Bible this week and took something from it? Um, and so, you know, I, 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 gave some, I talked about some tools last week, the one-year Bible, uh, one of the best tools. So if you don't think you can do this, let me just tell you, I got this book when I was, a, when I was a, in junior high. This is my junior high book that I was given for my parents, the one-year Bible, and I began to read it. And honestly, when I was in junior high, eighth grade, when I began to read, I didn't understand everything I read. Uh, but the things I didn't understand, I would highlight, and I would try to take to heart, and I would try to live it out. And, and the Bible did an amazing work in my life when I would really actually jump into it and work through it. And so for, the, for almost all the years of my high school and some of my junior high, I, I read through this almost every single year, um, which is, pretty, I think, pretty fantastic for a young person. So if you're a student here, it's possible. You know, we look at the book and we think it's pretty daunting and, and, and it's difficult, um, but it's, it's not. Um, the one of the reasons I think a lot of times is because uh, people look at it and they don't, they just don't understand it. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that. But but if this is our guide, you know, so if I'm if I'm if I'm chopping through the jungle trying to make a path for us to go, well, the Bible's a map for us, and the Holy Spirit is our guide to help direct us. And the good news is every single day you have a map available and you have a guide to help you on this journey if you'll just open your life to Him, to God, to the Holy Spirit. And so my job is today is to say, hey, would you, would you consider this? Just begin to crack this open, begin to look at it. Um, and one of the things that people don't, because you look at this thing, that's a really big book. I don't think I can get through that. Um, if you try to do it in one sitting, yeah, you probably won't. But if you break it up into chunks, you can. Uh, the one in your Bible I love about it is it gives you a, a, um, about a chapter of an Old Testament, um, a chapter of New Testament, and then a, a psalm and a proverb. So every single day you're reading different portions of the Bible, and you can get through it. And I'm so grateful for the psalms, because some days you read the others, and you're thinking, man, that... Man, that wasn't the whole impact, but this psalm was pretty amazing. And, or that one verse that jumped out, like that's the one you have to hang on to. It's not always everything you read, but what is that one thing that, 
you need to take away with you. So some people, they look at it and they think, well, I just don't understand. It doesn't make sense to me. Especially if you're like in maybe like the, the King James Version, it's old English, right? Like thus and thou, and um, you're, you're talking like William Shakespeare, and, and you really don't talk that way anymore. So that could be a little confusing, and it could be, you know, you read it and think, I just didn't get anything out of it. Well, maybe get an updated version. Uh, the great thing about our phones is we can get a free app called Uversion. As a church in, in Oklahoma put out this, this Bible, and you can find all different kinds of English translations. Uh, when you read multiple verses in, in different translations, uh, you learn more about what that verse means because different translators come at different angles. Uh, they, they, they think they're, they're thinking from culture. They're thinking from um, how we view life. And so when they, when they translate it, they're thinking about us and how to help us understand what it is. So when you read multiple versions, you can actually get a, a broader perspective of what, what, the, what the writer was trying to, trying to help you understand and to see. Um, but when, when people don't understand something, we, we just don't get as much out of it. So today my hope is to, to help you understand a little more about this. It's going to be a good – I'm going to give you some good tools and, and, and pictures that you'll be able to, uh, to see what this looks like uh, in a, kind of in a picture form. Uh, but before I do, uh, I want to just uh, um, tell a couple things, right? So let me ask you a question. What do you get when you divide the circumference of a jack-o'-lantern by its diameter? Anybody? Anybody love math here? Any math lovers first? Let me, let me ask that. Raise your hand if you're a math lover. All right. Anybody hate math? Yeah? Okay. So there's more haters than lovers here. All right. We're, let's establish that. So math lovers, what do you get? You get a pumpkin pie, like P-I. All right, so the haters, that just doesn't make sense. It's not that funny. Math is not that funny, right? All right, here's an easier one. If you hate or love it, you're going to get this one, right? Why are math books so miserable? Why are they so sad? They don't add up. That's, that's pretty good. They have so many problems, right? There's just so many problems there. Um, here, yeah, here's, here's another one. Uh, why did the obtuse angle go to the beach? Because it was over 90 degrees. It's, it's hot out, right? Obtuse is... So here's the thing. If you don't understand math, if that doesn't make sense to you, it's okay. I, I'm with you. When I got to algebra, I loved math. Geometry is amazing. In algebra, I was like, all right, I'm out. I, I, don't, I, I give up on this thing, right? I, I was kind of like, um, no, I wasn't like the Romans. My wife was like the Romans. You know, why, why did Romans not find uh, algebra challenging? X always was 10, right? X is always 10 in Romans. All right. If you don't understand math, those aren't that funny, and it's okay, that my point is this. When you don't understand something, you just don't get the same out of it when you do understand it. Math lovers, when they hear math jokes, they're like, that is awesome. Obtuse angle. <laughs> right? Jack the lantern, pumpkin pie. Yeah. Okay, maybe not that funny, but it's, it's somewhat stimulating. My, my wife, um, um, she's, she's like the Romans because she's not challenged by algebra, you know, like it will always add up to 10. It's a joke, not really. But she is, she is an X, all right? So that'd be a math joke, right? Like a 10. She's... When, when you don't understand something, especially in other countries, I remember telling jokes. I lived in South America for a while, and I would tell American jokes, like j- jokes from what we'd tell here, and they just didn't think it was funny. And then they'd tell me jokes, and I'd be like, that's not funny. It just didn't make sense. When something doesn't make sense to you, you just don't get the same out of it. And here's the challenge with the Bible. When, when it doesn't make sense, you won't get a lot out of it. When, when you approach it and you think it's a daunting task, there's so, many, there's so many pages, there's so many letters, there's so many words, I just don't understand. There's all these names of people. Why did this guy write this book? And and, and why, I want to find a job, so I looked at this book called Job, and, you know, it didn't tell me anything about finding a job, right? That's another joke, but anyways, his name is Job. Um, and you can, you can look through this, and you can just say, I don't understand. It just doesn't make sense. It's just not a book for me. Like, this is old. Well, here's the thing about the Bible. I want to, I want to help you understand it. When you don't understand it, yeah, you don't get a lot out of it. But when you begin to understand how it was written, how it was structured, uh, the purpose behind it, 
it'll help you begin to say, oh, I get it. Now I can, when I read through this, I'll have a new filter, a new lens to look through it. So the Bible just means book. Uh, but the thing is, it's not just a book. It's not just any book. It's a Bible that uh, the Bible is a book full of books written by many different authors. Um, and so, for example, it was written over a period of 1600 years in over a dozen countries on three continents by people from all walks of life. Um, it's, it's a miracle that it even that we have a single book that tells the same story written over this period of time. I mean, imagine with me, let's just backtrack 1600 years from today, right? That'd be like 400 A.D., Right? So from the point of 400 A.D. until today, you would have all these different writers, people writing these letters, writing these books, um, telling this story, and from different countries, different languages, and throughout the whole thing, it's telling the same exact story. Um, you know, when, when we look at other religious books, we can look at the Quran. It was written by one person. The Analects of Confucius, one person. Writings of Buddha, written by one person. But when you look at the Bible, over 40 writers. And, and look at some of these writers. Some are poets, prophets, princes, kings, sailors, soldiers, attorneys, doctors, scholars, shepherds, farmers, priests, historians, fishermen, tax collectors, businessmen. And the places they, that these, some of these books and, and letters were written were in caves, in palaces, in homes, in ships, in the desert, in prisons. They were written all over the place. And they were all telling the, story, the same story. So the question we would ask is this. How do they come up with the same story. How, did, how, did this, this, how does it flow so well? Like, and next week we're going to talk about the validity of the Bible. Why you can trust the Bible. It's going to be a good one. Don't miss it. But how do they come up with the story? Um, well, because we believe it's an inspired book. That this is God's story. That, that his story is really his story unfolding. He's telling what's happening, why it's happening, and what's coming and going to happen. Um, it, it's, 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 it's man holding the pen, but God helping them to know what to write. Giving them the ideas to, to speak through them. So we could say it like this. There, there are about 40 writers, but there's really only one author. And as Christians, this is what we believe. It's an inspired book that's here to help us. In fact, Paul tells Timothy um, in, in 2 Timothy 3.16, he says, All scripture is God-breathed. So essentially he's saying it's not just an ordinary book. The scriptures that God gives us, they're God-breathed. Like, like the idea behind this is God gave it. Um, he said that there's power in his words to fulfill its own, to, to bring its own fulfillment about. Like, like when we allow God's word to get in our life, it's going to do something in our life that's going to produce something really good if we will just allow it to get in us and we'll begin to own it and we begin to learn it and hold on to it. Like there's, there's power for its own fulfillment in the words because there's power in those words. It's just not white, black and white words on a page. It's, it's something that somebody spoke that can give us life. Now, when we're facing something very challenging on, on any given day, we can look and say, God, I need your help. Would you help me with this? And what's great about phone apps or the Bibles, you can look in the concordance on the back. You know, if you're depressed, you can find some scriptures on depression and begin to read them. You know, if, you, if you're struggling with something, you can go look at verses on marriage, on, on family. And you can begin to learn some of the things that will help you in whatever area of life that you're in. Business, leadership, being a student. There's, there's all kinds of wisdom and help in it if we'll begin to understand that, like he says, it's useful for teaching for rebuking, for correcting, training in righteousness, so that so, uh, so we, people that follow God, servants of God, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So Paul's telling Timothy, God gave us this for a reason, so we can be equipped. Essentially he's saying, this Bible, it works. The words of God, they work. Put it to the test. It works. And I would challenge you this. Put it to the test. When you read something, when you're challenged by something, try it out. It will work. It always does. Because God said his word has the power for its own fulfillment to accomplish what he wants us to accomplish. 
Um, let's give you an overview of the Bible. I'm going to give, just give you a picture of what this looks like. When, when you don't understand how it's written, it can be kind of like confusing. You don't really understand. Here's the thing, the first thing. When we read the Bible, it's not in chronological order. So it's not by sequence of events. It's not sequenced by events as they take place. It's broken up by categories. So they're broken into categories. So the overview of the Old Testament, first, I'll show you this. Uh, the first five books of the Bible uh, would be called the law, books of the law, books of instruction. Uh, in, to the Jewish, uh, to, the, to Judaism, this is called the Torah, uh, the foundation for the, for the faith. And, and it helps us under, to, the God is trying to give some structure to help tell a story. Um, so Genesis to Deuteronomy is, is, is the books of law. This would be Moses up to the point of the Ten Commandments, you know, where, where he's rescuing his people from slavery, um, and, and to, up to the point of where they're, they're entering the promised land. And then the next one is, is, uh, would be the historical books. These are the 12 books, Joshua through Esther. This is Israel's, Israel's history up until exile. So God told him, if you follow me, it's going to go well. If you, if you continue to serve false gods and worship idols and, and go let your heart stray, you will, the results will, you'll be exiled. You'll, go to, you'll be taken away as captives, as slaves again. And they didn't obey God, and exactly like he said it was going to happen, it happened. They became slaves to other nations because they didn't follow God's commands. And so we get the historical books, the story of the history of Israel. And then the next one is the poetical books. These would be uh, Job through the Song of Solomons. These would be wisdom books or, or, or poetical books that, that are telling stories, uh, that are, that are be somebody expressing their, their heart through song, through poems. Um, and, and so the thing with, the, with these is so it's, it's the third part of the Bible, the category, but it's really it's all within those first two parts. So like in a chronological, you can actually buy a chronological Bible that would break up the Bible for you by as that happened. And so you start reading and then at the point the psalm is written, you'd read a psalm and then you'd continue on in the story and then you'd read another, another part of the story. Um, you can, what's great is you don't have to buy a whole book. You can actually, on, on the version, one of the reading plans is a chronological reading plan. You can read on your phone or on a mobile device. Um, or I think even on the computer, how things lined up. So if you're interested in knowing how exactly it flowed and you want to read from, from the different sequence of events, you can go read those kind of Bibles. It's great. We have a lot of technology and tools to help us. But, but and, and, and most Bibles, they're not broken up like that. They're broken up by category. So then after the political books, we have the prophetical books. These are the prophets. These are 17 books, uh, five major prophets, Isaiah through Daniel, and 12 minor prophets, Hosea through Malachi. Uh, major just means they were longer. Minor just means they were shorter letters. Doesn't mean they were less significant. Uh, just means they're shorter letters. So you have the long letters that are prophecies, and then you have short letters um, that that were there. So that's how the Old Testament is organized, just by categories. And when you understand that, then it's not as confusing when you start reading about some person, and you're like, wait, I read about this person back here. Why am I reading it again? This just doesn't make sense. And then sometimes they'll repeat stories, but from a different angle, and you're thinking, wait, I already read this story. Well, if you're, if you're thinking it's in order, you, you can be confused. But when you understand, okay, it's broken up by category, there's, there's a point to this. Like there's, there's something else here, the way it's organized. That just helps us understand it's organized differently. So let's go to the New Testament. The second part of the Bible, uh, this would be the, four, the first four books would be the Gospels, which means good news. This is the story of Jesus. If you're new to the Bible, it, you wouldn't understand this, but it, it was four people writing the same story from different perspectives. And here's the other thing. They're writing to different audiences. So one is writing to the Romans, and so his approach to telling the story is saying, saying um, certain significant details that are going to help people that from Rome understand what took place. Another person is writing to the Hebrews who's saying, you have to understand these things that are going to take place. And every gospel writer has a different audience in mind of who he's writing to. 
And that's why they tell different stories, and sometimes the sequence of, of the stories are different. Um, it's not because they're, they're all telling the same story, just from different perspective. And so those first four Gospels, as you, as you read those, the good news of Jesus' story, understand they're all the same story. They're just told in different ways. It'd be like my perspective and your perspective about something. We, we're telling those stories. But what's amazing is, is even that, we'll talk about next week, is, is they're still they're, they're compatible. They line up. They're telling the same stories the same way, a lot of them. Some are sharing different stories. Other ones didn't. But the, the, whole, the whole theme is continuing on through it, which is pretty amazing because they didn't get together and write these together. They wrote them at different times at different places. And then after the Gospels, you have the Acts, which is the Acts of the Church. Uh, this would be the h- historical record of the first church. Jesus dies on the cross and says, all right, disciples, your turn. Go and be the church to the world. Go and love the world. Go and do what I've been doing here for everybody else. And so this is the Acts of the Church where they begin to live it out. And here's the thing about the Acts. Everything in Acts, we believe as a church, can happen for us. They had small groups. Man, we want to have small groups. We want to meet in our homes. We want to have relationships like that. They saw people healed and delivered and set free. We believe that heal still can take place, that the Holy Spirit can empower us to be witnesses to take his message everywhere else. So, so like the, he showed up in Acts, he still wants to show up in our lives today as, as the Grove, as a church. And so we want to build off principles from this, from these stories, from the, the, the Acts, from what God did. And then after the Acts, you get the Epistles, which is 20 books in the New Testament. This would be Romans through Jude. And Epistles are just letters. They're letters that were, so the disciples, they disperse and they go into different countries. And they begin to start churches and plant churches. And then the church planners who planted that church, they would then later write a letter back to the church they started. And they would con- encourage them, say, hey, continue in the faith. Continue doing what you're supposed to be doing. And, and, or, or writing letters to other churches that are maybe struggling or have done a good job. And these are what the letters are in the New Testament. And then finally, we finish the, the New Testament with Revelation. And this would just be the prophecy of the last days in eternity. Uh, we'll talk a little about that today. But um, this is how things unfold in the end. Um, and, and how God will continue on after, after earth is, is done. Um, so I hope hopefully that helps. You understand it's categories. It's not sequence. It's not chronological. It's, it's by category, by that. Oh, and just that alone will begin to help under people understand, okay, when I read through this, I have to be aware that this might be happening at a different time. And then, and then if you really want to dig in, you can find resources that give you timelines where you can understand, I'm reading this. Where did this fit in? Okay, yeah, that's where that fits in. I get it. Um, that, that makes sense. So here's, um, and then one other thing is, well, that doesn't matter. Okay. Um, doesn't really matter. All right. Let's move on. Um, I want to give you a picture now. So I, I showed you categories, Old Testament, New Testament. I want to give you something that you can actually visualize and see when it comes to how the Bible is laid out. All right. So this is the plot. We call this the mirror image. So as you, as you read the story, this is the story unfolding from the beginning to the end. All right. And, and, and I'm going to show you this. So the, first, the very first one would be this, um, God and righteous man in paradise, first two chapters in Genesis. When I say righteous man, what we, what we mean by that is a righteous man, means he's perfect. This is when there was no sin, no, that they were living in, in essentially in a paradise on an earth that was perfect. There was no sickness. There was no disease. Um, it was perfect. So God and righteous man in paradise, as God intended it to be. This is how he set it up. He wanted... He wanted us to have this kind of relation, open relationship with him, that we'd be able to walk with him and, and have conversations with him. And so it starts off the story of saying God, relationship with the people he created. And then in Genesis 3, we see Satan and sin, they enter the picture. And this is where the whole story changes, where the conflict begins to rise. This is, this is where man chooses to do it on his own. 
and, and, and disobey God and do the opposite of what God has. See, because in 1 and 2, God says, Don't, you can eat of any tree, all the trees in the garden, eat of all those except that one in the middle. And then Satan comes in and says, hey, God's holding something good from you. And he still does this day to us. God is holding something good. He's holding something back from you. You know, if you eat that, you'll just become like God. You're not really going to die, you know, like God said. That you're just going to become like God. And he begins to tempt them, and sin enters in because man, Adam and Eve, they choose to disobey God and eat the fruit. So sin enters. When it comes to sin, you can say this, sin separates. Whenever sin, we talk about the idea of sin, it's just the idea that it separates. Uh, it creates a gap between us and God. It creates a gap between us and other people. Sin separates us from God. It separates from others. There's distance that was created in this part of the story. Um, here's the thing. All of us have sinned. At some point in our life, all of us have broken God's commands, God's rules. And when we, that moment that we've done that, there's a separation. In fact, nobody even has to tell you you've messed up and done something wrong. Like, because what happens whenever, whenever we sin and we do something, chaos is always the result of that. Chaos in relationships, something begins to, 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 it begins to spin out of control, um, and, and it begins to, the, the gap begins to widen and grow between us and God, and a lot of times between us and other people. Like, nobody even has to tell you, hey, you messed up and did something wrong. We just know, man, chaos is happening in my life. And if you find yourself in this state, the good news at the end of the service, I'm going to help you to, to change that and begin to come back to the way God wants you to live out your life. And chaos can go away, because that's a horrible state to live in. And this is what they invited in. Um, if you've never dealt with it, you know, you'll feel it. You know it. Um, the next one is this in Genesis four, uh, 6. The world judge is judged and destroyed. So the Bible says that God was looking for a man, and Noah found favor in his eyes. Uh, but so he wanted, he wanted to find a family he could start over, because the world got so bad. Like, it was, it was horrible. And, and you read the stories, you can see why. And it's getting worse and worse, and, and, and he says, I need to start over. And so he destroys with water. This is where we get the flood. And Noah is the only family that survives to, to repopulate earth. And the world is judged and destroyed by, by water. But it doesn't fix it because sin is still in the picture. And, and we as humans are flawed and we still choose to do things on our own. And sin continues on. And in fact, it get, it, it, as, as it, it, we, earth populated again, there's a point where humans think we don't need God to help us. Like we could do it on our own. We don't need God to show up. I'm going to... I'm, I'm, I don't need his help. I'll actually become God. And it says that they had um, one world, a one world government system, Genesis 10 through, 12, 10 through 11, where they built a tower that was so tall it reached up to heaven. Essentially, they're saying, we can do anything by ourselves as long as we come together. They had one language. They had one goal. And it was really to overtake God. And it was really to just do, do life without God. And, and then God changes the story. He confuses their language. This is where we get the different languages in the, in the world. He, he breaks it up the, um, the different cultures there. Um, and the next one in Genesis 12, this is where God steps into the picture again, 12 tribes of Israel, God's holy people. This would be Genesis 12 through the end of the Old Testament. So God steps in again. He brings order. He's trying to bring order back to the chaos that's there that has ensued, that has taken place. And so he picks... He picks a family and he says, you're going to represent me to the world. Would you follow my lead? And he picks this group of people. He gives them a system. He gives them some laws. He gets some order so they can have some structure so they don't, they don't live like everybody else, but they begin to have some, some form of, uh, of stability in their lives. But here's the thing. That didn't even work either. Like it became a religion where it was a system where they did all the right things on the outside, but their hearts were so, so wicked. And, and they, 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 how, how did you say it? Their hearts were far from God. Like the outside looked good, and this is the danger we have as Christ followers also. The outside can look really good, 
but our hearts can be corrupted. We can still be wanting to do our own thing. We can use the external things to accomplish really what we want on the inside anyways. And that can lead us into to really dark areas and bad places. And it can, it can really create unhealthy things because we look the part, but the whole time we're full of, Jesus said, like dead man's bones. Like there's no life inside. Outside is nice. The show is a party. But on the inside, there's only death. It's not there. So then the end of, this, is, this is the, from Genesis now, we walk through the Old Testament. And then this is where Jesus shows up. Right? So then we have right, the ultimate plan. The top here is Jesus. You can see the Gospels. And here's the thing. The whole book, it's leading to this. It's leading to this point where Jesus enters the picture, where we see him really very, very visible in the, in the story. He shows up in, in the Gospels. He's the hope of the earth. This is where he begins to bring heaven to earth and try to get people back to heaven so that we can avoid hell. Here's the thing with hell. Hell is it's not a place God sends people that he's angry at. Hell is a place that people decide to pay for their own sins on their own. Because Jesus gave us a way not to have to pay for our own sins. But he gave us the choice. You can do it on your own, or you can do it with God's help, with God's sacrifice. So he didn't design hell for people. He designed hell for, for, the, for, the, for Satan and the fallen angels that rebelled against him. But then he gives us the choice to say, my team or their team, it's up to you. And everybody has this choice as you go in the story. So then the Gospels come into the picture. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John telling the story of Jesus. And then as soon as they're done, uh, as soon as he leaves, he, he creates um, the church. This would be Acts through Jude where he's now saying, and this is what's great about, he says he actually puts, he, he starts a new covenant. So the old covenant really deals a lot with externals. The new covenant begins to deal with more internal things, uh, the, way, the things we think about, the lust in our heart. Um, the things that we desire, all those things are more internal. And he says, I'm going to do a new covenant, and I'm going to put my laws on their hearts. It's like you're going to know inside yourself when you are stepping away from God, when you're walking away from his best. So in Hebrews 8, he talks about the new, the new covenant and, and putting his laws on our hearts. You'll know it. Um, it's, it's rejecting God. It's living the opposite of what God has to. And God is trying to get us to go back and say, no, just, just follow my lead. Trust me. And then after the church, which we're living this point right now between the church and um, one world government system, Revelation 6 through 19. So you can see that, um, and you don't even have to look at history to know this. If you look around our culture, all right, uh, this is, we're slowly leading up to this, to become a one world system government. Just like the Tower of Babel in the the Old Testament, we'll try to establish this again. And this is, we're between these two because this is slowly happening even in our world. Like we're living in a time that is, is very difficult in many parts of the world to be a Christian, and, in little, and little by little in the U.S. also. Like they want to take away more and more rights of us as, as uh, freedom from, from what we believe. Um, and, and throughout the world, there's, there's Christians who die for their faith. Like if you're a Christian in some countries, you're just, they kill you um, and your families. They, they will take you out and they'll kill you. Um, and it's interesting about the book. I mean, it, it, it's, people say it's, it's just a fairy tale, but yet in many nations it's outlawed, and if you own one, you get killed. You know, I don't know how many people are getting killed for Snow White, right? Fairy tales. But in certain nations, they've outlawed it. And it's, a, it's, it's the enemy trying to stop people from knowing life. Um, there's power in this book is why it's, it's outlawed in a lot of countries. And so little by little, even our rights, but you'll see this, it's building up. And, and the thing about scriptures is through prophecy, over and over it's telling us this is coming. I mean, you don't have to read scriptures to know it's coming. You can just watch the news and you'll begin to see um, there's, there's a... A, a huge opposition to the, the Judeo-Christian belief and humanism. 
Um, these two these two worldviews are, are, are opposites. And there's a battle of saying, no, the world needs to look like this. And anybody that opposes it needs to go away. And little by little, this world will be set, the world government will be established. Um, but in the middle of that, God is still doing some great things. And here's the next part of that. Um, after the one world government, the world will be judged and destroyed. Old Testament, it was, it was destroyed by water. New Testament, he's saying it's going to be destroyed by fire. Like he's going to burn it all up. We're going to start over. A new heavens and a new earth. But it will be judged and destroyed. And we'll all be held accountable. We'll all be judged for our life that we lived and, and the choices we made. And this is where, he'll, where, he'll, um, this is where God's going to come back. Um, and, and, and those people that have accepted and said, I want you in my heart, I want you in my life, to be with him, those that have rejected him, will be pushed away. Um, next one, after, towards the end of Revelation, this is where Satan and sin exit the story. Um, so they finally get what they deserve. God gives it to him. He, 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 he banishes them. He binds up Satan and casts them out. Um, and then we have paradise. God and redeemed man in paradise. Now over here, it was righteous man, perfect man. Over here, it's redeemed, which means we were restored back to the original intent. So God had a plan for our lives. Now he's putting, it, he's putting us back to that place that he originally had us for. This is pretty good. I mean, when it comes to paradise and the closest English word we have, because we don't always have the, the right words to explain words in other languages, but the closest word for paradise that we have is resort. That's, that's pretty good. When you think about paradise, you think about heaven, resort. I mean, who wants some of that? Anybody? Yeah? Yeah. So this week, when you're at work, just be thinking, I mean, I have a resort coming one day. It's going to be pretty awesome. It's going to be phenomenal. In fact, if we really understood heaven, like none of us would be questioning why we're still here like let's go there like it's not let's leave this let's go there like some people say it's the afterlife like yeah after i die then then that's going to be the end that's that's the afterlife no no that that's that's life this is the pre-life that we're living in this is not what god intended he has something so much better for us he's saying join me on this journey i'll restore you to what i what i had so when it comes to the plot of the bible you see the mirror image the whole the story is being told it's being reflected back exactly what took place in the old testament new testament externals more internal what's happening inside and this is my challenge for you when we come to church god is saying you need to work on your heart you can't just hear things and put a a good face on it you have to say god what do you want to do in my life that's going to help me become that person that you want me to become and you invite him on the inside not just the outside god work in my life so if, if that's the plot that's the story what's the subject what's the subject of the bible is it people no people are the object it's, it's what god is trying to bring back but the subject is is at the top jesus the whole point of the bible is jesus in fact in john 5:39 jesus is telling the religious people he says this he says you search the scriptures when he says scripture he's talking about the old testament you search the scriptures because you think they'll give you eternal life but all the the scriptures they point to me jesus is saying even in the old testament i'm there in genesis he's there in the Psalms, he's there. Next week, we're going to talk about the prophecies. He's there over and over. 300 prophecies spoken about Jesus coming. Pretty amazing that, this, that these books that are written and compiled for us are telling the story of Jesus. He shows up. So he's saying, Old Testament, go, go look. You'll find it. You'll find him. He's in there. Um, and in fact, when you read the Bible that way, it helps you understand. When I'm looking for Jesus and all these things, it's going to help me understand what he wants to do in my life. So if that's the, the sub- subject of it, um, what is the verb? Uh, what was the action behind the Bible? And this will help you read the Bible. It'll make it so much easier to read the Bible when you understand this one thing. The verb, the action, it's not love. Everybody would think it's love. That's the motivation. That might be the foundation of it all. 
But the action behind it is this. In John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life or everlasting life. Probably one of the most famous scriptures in the Bible. I think it's important because it's saying God gave. So the verb, the action behind the whole book is this. God gave. He gives. Giving. God gave. And this is what's so amazing about the book is God gave us this book as a gift. He gave us his best, his son, to die a horrible death in our place. He gave his son. And then he says, so you know what your response is when you read the Bible, when you come to church? It's to become that same kind of person that you give. It's about being generous people. You all know the kind of people that are going to be in heaven? People that are generous. People that aren't saying it's all about me and selfish and, and full of pride, but people are saying, it's, it's, it's your God. I'm not. I want to live this life with your help, you leading the way. I want your help to lead me on this life. And when you read the Bible saying, okay, God, I'm reading, the, I'm reading my one year today. I'm reading this. What are you asking me to give today? Some kindness to somebody? Okay, I'll give some kindness. Some grace to somebody? I'll give some grace. The guy that just cut me off on the road that I really want to run down and ram, I'm going to give some forgiveness and some grace to that person. Why? Because we're called to be generous. We're called to give just like God. And throughout the scripture, the whole point of this is he's saying, I'm going to give you something. It's a free gift. But you have to accept it. You have to receive it. You have to want it. I'm not going to force it. And that's the story of the Bible. It's a picture of God saying, I'm in the middle of it all. If you'll just open your eyes and see, get off your high horse, get out of the way, and let me lead. And my challenge every single week as I come up here is just say, would you take one step towards God? In our small groups, our small groups are designed for people to take one step towards God during that semester. In everything we do, what if every day we read the Bible, we would say, God, help me just take that one step towards you today. What is it you're asking me to do? And when you read the Bible that way, it begins to be more practical. It becomes more enjoyable because as you're reading, you're saying, okay, so I need your help today, God. Help me to do this. And here's the thing, like I said last week, don't complicate it. You don't have to sit down and read for an hour a day. You don't have to read for two hours a day. Read a verse. Read a, read a story. Read a chapter. Read, read the Gospels. But if you would just start and then say, all right, every single day, I need to make this a priority that I say, God, what do you want to speak to me today? If this is alive and it's a living book, what, what do you have for me today? If you know where to start, one-year Bible would be great. You can do that on your phone. You don't have to go buy it. What, I would encourage you to buy a book. Buy a Bible, a physical Bible. You can, you can mark and you can write. You can take notes and you can, you, can, you, can just, you can make it your own. You can own it and you can live it. So when you read the Bible, understanding Jesus is the, the story. He's the point. And you understand that the action behind it is generosity. That will help you understand what God is asking you to do. This is, this is why we, as, as a church, we say part of what comes in is going to go out because we're, we're, we're reflecting what God has done for us. He's given us freely. We give away freely. You know, in September, we're helping plant multiple churches in New Mexico. We've already given, uh, I'm going to say it's close to $2,000 to these churches already. And every single month, we put, we put some aside to give to another church to help them. And in a few months, I'm going to ask you if you want to help donate and be a part of sowing into another church to do this. Would you be a part of it? This is why we give, not because we have to, but because we get to be a part of the story of God. This is why we give our time. This is why we have team members who show up a little before 7 o'clock on Sunday mornings to run cables and to set up lights and, to, and put a stage and to run a camera so people on Facebook can see because they're generous. They say, God has given me something. I want to give back a part of my life to help others to experience God. 
And here's the good news. Today he's inviting you to be a part of that also. So here's my challenge. When you're reading the Bible, would you learn to search for Jesus in it? And would you learn to search for that action, the giving, the generosity? And would you say today, help me to be that kind of person? Because those are the kind of people God's looking for. that say, my life is open to you, God. You come and do what you want to do. If you're here today, uh, I talked about chaos. I talked about, you know, sin entering the picture. In your life, on that, that mirror image in the story, you would say, if you ask me today, I'm far from God. I'm not close to God. He's distant. There's distance between me and him. You feel it. You know it. In some cases, there's chaos in your life that, you, that, that show you that you you're really have things that aren't, aren't healthy or good. And today, God would say, would you, would you change your story? Would you begin to live out a story that will lead you in a better direction? And every single person in this room, you've come today for a reason. God is saying, what is the reason that he's asking you to come? For some, it's to take a step back to God. For others, it's to pick your Bible up and say, all right, God, I need you in my life. I need a verse. I need, I need a promise. I need something I can stand on for this week. I need something that will encourage me today. I need something to help give something to somebody else. Uh, some of you guys on Facebook, I see you as you read your, your uh, on the YouVersion app, there's a daily verse. A lot of you guys post it. That's a great way to share what you liked that you read. It's a great way to post and say, hey, I read this today. Maybe it'll encourage somebody. And somebody else reads it and say, man, this, this is really helpful. This really helps me. Do me a favor. If you're here today, would you close your eyes and bow your heads? And As I talk to this whole story, we all have a choice to make. Are we going to follow God or are we going to follow ourselves? Are we going to follow the enemy? And today, God has given an invitation to each one of us saying, I have freely given, just receive it, and then learn to be generous with your life. If you're here today and you would say, I'm far from God, I'm not the person that God created me to be, I need his help, I want to invite him into my life. If that's you today, would you do me a favor and just lift your hand where you're sitting right now? Let me know you're here. I want to lead you in a prayer. I see your hands. Awesome. I see your hands. It's an invitation. God wants you to come home. God wants you to be a part of his story. The story you've been living in is too small. God is saying, would you come back? Awesome. For all you to raise your hand, I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. It's an invitation to God for relationship. The Bible says if we'll confess our sins, he's faithful and he's just to forgive us and bring us into his family. Don't miss out on what God has for you because you're living for yourself. Don't miss out on what God has for you because you're listening to culture and what the world says. Learn what God is saying and jump in and dig in. Let's pray. If you raise your hand, would you pray with, pray with me? If you're a Christ follower, a Christian in this room, would you join us in praying if you're not praying alone? If you raise your hand and say this day, say, Father God, today I need your help. I admit that I'm a sinner, that I've messed up. I chose my own way. Forgive me. I want to make things right with you. I want relationship with you. I believe you sent your son Jesus to die on that cross in my place. I receive his gift. Come into my life. Make me a new person. Help me to walk with you. Put my trust in you today. In Jesus' name I pray.
Amen.